Welcome to Growing a Greener Kenai, folks, on this. Well, it's always a wonderful day on the central Kenai Peninsula, isn't it? And uh, even though it's a little bit chilly out there, that is no exception. It's always a wonderful day here on the peninsula. Uh, it's a little bit cool today, isn't it, folks? It's, uh, you know, on the, on the TV news last night, one year ago yesterday, it was 75 degrees we are literally 30 degrees cooler, 25 degrees cooler than one year ago. And I'll tell you what, I normally, I had to put, I had to put my hoodie on today. It is so darn chilly, you know, so I'll tell you, it's uh, cloudy. We're going to have a chance of rain. We got tonight cloudy, part, maybe a little sun on Sunday, uh, but we're going to be hanging with some clouds and cool weather for quite a while here. And that's not keeping us all from gardening. Uh, let's not let's not let Mother Nature beat us this year, and let's move on. And by golly, get get those gardens going, and do the best you can with this cool weather. I've got a couple of announcements I'd like to make uh, before we get started on uh, some of our subject matter today, and that is uh, thank you to Sarah at Kenai Feeds, Fritz at TNT Compost, and Michael at Grandpa's Worms for their wonderful support of the Central Peninsula Garden Club annual amendment sale uh, that was run through uh, through Fritz for his compost and through Sarah at Kenai Feeds. Uh, apparently, we had some really good response to that. Uh, a lot simpler process this year than... Uh, than we've done in the past and uh, Sarah and Fred they're gonna uh, hopefully by next show I'll have uh, an update on how well we in fact did during uh, that amendment sale for the garden club and one other thing I want to uh, let you folks know too is a week from today at 10 a.m. at College Heights Baptist Church will be the Central Peninsula Garden Club annual plant sale it starts precisely at 10 o'clock it's not going to open at 5 till or 10 till. It starts precisely at 10 o'clock. Everybody donates plants. And for you folks that uh, receive the Garden Club newsletter, the directions on how to drop off plants, if you want to donate plants, and we always try to get folks to, when you're planting your own starts, is to do a couple extra six packs or four packs of whatever you're starting to donate to the plant sale. So from 6 to 7 p.m., the Friday night before, June the 9th, you can drop off your plants, your donations, at College Heights Baptist Church. And as you're pulling into the parking lot, you'll see on the left, there's a pavilion back there. That's where the plant sale will be held. You can drop your stuff off there from 6 to 7 p.m., Friday night, June the 9th. Or from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., excuse me, from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., Saturday morning, the 10th, the day of the sale. Uh, the team will be getting everything ready to go. I'll tell you, uh, in years past, we have a line, and I mean, the stuff, the sale goes until everything sells out or pretty much everybody has bugged out, but it's typically over by about noon uh, because it is so popular. But it's a great place to get your starts. You can get uh, veggie starts, flower starts. Uh, a lot of times there's there's trees, there's bushes, uh, you just about name it for your garden. And it a lot of times it will be at that plant sale. 
And uh, as a reminder, too, for you folks, the weather's been a little cool and, and not too much fire danger. But remember, that slash pile is open north of Kenai. It's actually at mile 13. It's open from uh, Thursday to Sunday, opening at 10 a.m., and I think it goes to 5 or 6 p.m. So anyway, that's, uh, that's that thing that makes it a lot easier for the folks that live out in this direction instead of having to go all the way down to the sold out in the landfill to, uh, to take their, uh, their brush, their, their uh, beetle kill and all that stuff. So anyway, that's a, uh, that's a good positive thing for this part of the peninsula. One other thing that uh, I want to let everybody know is, you know, uh, our seniors... A lot of our seniors on the peninsula, they, they enjoy gardening. And one of the things that we've got, one of our care facilities called Heritage House, they got donated by the Central Peninsula uh, Health Foundation, 12 really nice planters that are set up for their residents to actually be able to be in a wheelchair, and the wheelchair rolls underneath the planter. Now, to see what kind of planter it is, there's a website out. It's called Green Circle Garden. And you can see the type of planter uh, that they got. Well, they had 12 of these planters donated. So what uh, a lady uh, who's the activities director there, Odd Wallacek, uh, she can be reached at uh, 907-714-5039 or her cell at 907-690-2181. And what they're looking for is some uh, some of our local gardeners to hopefully get out there and help uh, some of our elderly residents with their gardening. You know, uh, maybe help them fill them with soil, just doing a little something, and uh, maybe be a volunteer to do that. So if anybody wants to help at Heritage House with these wonderful planters, like I said, go to Green Circle Garden and you'll see what kind of of uh, planters they are they're they're low maintenance they're plastic they just need soil in them and the folks might need some help but yeah it's really neat the wheelchair goes right underneath them and it's a wonderful wonderful way for some of our elderly friends to get out there and garden so give them a give them a holler and see uh, if that's something you'd like to do to help those folks out what do we want to talk about today well first off i'd like to mention how the Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, uh, the weather has been tough. It has really been tough. And it's, it's cool, folks. It is really cool. And there's so much to talk about when we're in this type of weather. Uh, but hopefully right now, everyone has pretty much everything going. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fully admit to you, I still have a lot of things that are not out in my garden yet. My squash is planted, my zucchini, that kind of stuff, under, under a row cover, a plastic row cover. But I've, I've got everything prepared, and tomorrow is the day when I'm going to be setting out my broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower. Everything's going out tomorrow regardless. I've just been ultra conservative this year, and I just haven't, uh, I haven't gotten stuff out yet. And I don't think it's, it's not going to be a problem. Those still, there's plenty of time for those items to mature and, uh, and produce. I got to get my leeks out. Now my greenhouse is a different story. I've got, my corn looks great in my greenhouse. It's probably 18 inches tall. And I start that in, in, uh, 
oh, you know, little uh, the little uh, cells, and then I transplant them. But I've got 36 corn plants in my greenhouse, and I am certainly hoping to get some some nice corn this year. I've got uh, beans going in the greenhouse, onions, uh, uh, cucumbers, tomatoes, uh, hanging baskets with tomatoes. And I'm going to try again this year that I like to do every year. And that's I've got uh, I've got like a little three-gallon bucket, you know, a small bucket. And I drill the hole in the bottom. And then on the top, on the, t- on the top of the uh, bucket, the top part, I plant a cucumber. And on the bottom, coming out of the hole, out of the bottom, it's like a one, one, one and a half inch hole, I plant a tomato. And the tomato grows down, you know, like you can buy those grow buckets for that specifically. And I do two of them and uh, put them side by side. And the cucumbers, they support each other. I, I fix it so they go back and forth. But that seems to work pretty good every year. And I've had good production on it. Just gotta, you just got to make sure that it's watered well. Uh, it's if if it's really hot, a lot of sun. Uh, sometimes I have to water those every single day so they don't dry out. So anyway, that's just one of the little tricks I like to do. But yeah, everything else is doing pretty good. Uh, getting everything cleaned up. I'm ready to plant uh, there again. Like I said, uh, I'm I'm going to give Brussels sprouts one more try. Uh, I've told you before. Good gravy, those things drive me nuts. Uh, I've had trouble with them, and if I remember. Bobby Jackson doesn't grow them. She gave up on them. And uh, I think that's still still true. Uh, so if, uh, I figure if Bobby can't grow them, I don't know what makes me think I can grow them. So I'm going to give it a try again. I got all my starts and everything. And then if you remember, earlier in the year, folks, in like January, February, that time frame in one of the shows, I told you I wasn't going to buy any seeds this year. Well, I don't know what it is, but I had really poor, really poor, poor results from starting my own seeds this year i don't know if they were old enough you know because you you know how all us gardeners are we've got seeds if if we all planted all our seeds and everything grew well good lord we could we could all feed the peninsula for a year with all our produce so anyway i didn't get very good germination this year and i had more trouble this year than any other year i've had doing my own starts and I actually, I had to go buy some starts. You know, I went to one of the local local places and I, I bought some starts. Uh, I didn't go to any of the big box stores to buy them, but I went to a couple of our, our good local uh, greenhouses and I bought some starts. I bought some cauliflower, some cabbage, some, and I got a few of mine that went, but boy, not like normal. And uh, it's a, uh, it's really frustrating a little bit this year over, I, you know, I can't figure out what I did, what happened, what was different this year that, as I've done in recent years, that was always successful. Well, it wasn't this year. So my thought is I'm really thinking about just trashing all the seeds I've got left that are in the, the crisper drawer of the fridge, and maybe next year I'm just going to order all new, all new seeds all new seats, you know, and, uh, and not even mess with that. Uh, you know, and, and we've said before to get a germination rate. Now I didn't do this with some of my older seeds because when I say older, they're only a year, two years old. So that's not really that old. So, you know, like we said, uh, put in a, a, a napkin or a paper towel or something that's wet and see how many germinate, you know, four of them germinate. You figure when you plant, you're going to have a 40% 
success rate of germination. Well, I didn't do that. I just took on chance that, hey, these are only a year or two old. They're probably going to be fine. Well, I got really bad germination. So anyway, that's what I'm thinking about doing next year, cleaning out the, the seed bin and just starting from scratch, getting all new seeds. And that might that might get me uh, to go like a lot of gardeners do and just order new seeds every year and not worry about it uh, or, or save some of my own seeds. So and speaking of seeds, one of the things that you need to think about doing uh, when you're direct sowing, uh, some of those seeds are so tiny. I mean, like basil seeds, my goodness, those are those are those are the size of the tip end of a of a pin, you know, P-I-N. Uh, you know, they are tiny. Some of the seeds are so tiny. Carrot seeds are all they're all tiny. And you need to look at when those start coming up, we have to look at thinning those seeds. So how how do you go about thinning? Well, everybody, you know, like I said, we all us gardeners, we have a different point of view on how we take care of that. Some people plant one seed at a time, uh, spacing them out, those tiny seeds. You know, one of the easiest ways to pick up a real small seed is to get a wooden matchstick and just dip it in just a smidge of water, and then that seed will stick to the end of that wooden matchstick, and then you touch it to the soil, and it typically will fall right out of uh, it'll fall right off off the uh, the match and you can space them out and still see them another way to do that is to get coated seeds where you can see them but what I'm doing this year and I've never really done this I'm going to give it a try like for carrot seeds I'm getting them out I've got some of them growing already I, uh, but I've got one batch that I'm going to uh, do like people say and mix it in with some sand shake it up real well and that typically gives you a fairly good uh, spread rate uh, out there instead of trying to just do a seed at a time or you you, you broadcast them because you know how when you do that you'll get six or seven or eight carrots all growing in a clump then there's a big space and then there's one or two growing then another clump so I'm gonna I'm gonna do the uh, I'm gonna do the sand mix but then when those start coming up we need to think about thinning them Regardless of what you're growing, if you're thin and uh, growing anything, your, your, your cabbage, your broccoli, your cauliflower, all that good stuff, you have to think about thinning those. Now, that's the tough part for a lot of us gardeners. Some of those plants there, they're, they're so nice, you hate, you hate to kill the seedlings because they are so, you know, they, they grow well and it's like, man, you, uh, hopefully I can put this somewhere else. If you're doing it in the little pots or little, little starter pots, little cells, that's a little easier to do. But the best thing to do is when, the, when you're going to thin the seedlings, you need to thin them when they're young. And the best time to thin seedlings is when they're still young and only have a few sets of leaves. What that does, too, is it minimizes the stress on the plants that are remaining. You know, you can, uh, the, and you typically thin on a cloudy day. Uh, it helps protect the plants that are left from uh, too much direct sun because uh, they've had other plants around them. Well, that's definitely something we haven't had to worry about here lately. And then, like I said, everybody does it different, but you should probably use a real sharp scissor 
or a sharp knife or something to avoid damaging the plants that are going to stay that you're not wanting to thin you're wanting to keep the spacing on them uh, sharp chis uh, scissors to snip off the unwanted seedlings at the soil level and that prevents damage to the plants that you want to uh, that you want to leave behind and then a light watering of the plants after thinning that also kind of uh, helps reduce stress and can encourage new growth in your plants so uh, and and when you are thinning it's important to leave the strongest and the healthiest plants you want to choose the plants that are strong evenly spaced and have deep healthy roots and we've all seen that before you'll have your seeds in there and they're coming up and you'll have a clump of these little starts and it's always seems like there's one or two that are just outperforming the rest of them well that's probably the strongest one in there and that's the ones to leave behind so if you're thinning the seedling, seedlings that are destined for the garden you also need to be sure that you thin them to the to the spacing that's recommended for for example uh, now this is typically greenhouse but tomatoes are typically thinned uh, maybe 18 inches apart everything else uh, every other plant you need to look at the seed packet and see what the recommendations are do a web search and see what the recommendations are uh, for that if you're th if you're thinning seedlings that are going to go in a container you need to be sure and thin them uh, for that particular container size for example oh let's see a uh, a six inch pot can accommodate three tomato seedlings while a 12 inch pot can accommodate four tomato seedlings to let them to let them keep growing when you're when you're transplanting so one of the things i've done which not too many people do but like right now some of my carrots i've got my carrots pre-sprouted -sprout, and they're going to get transplanted and I've had pretty good luck with that over the years. So carrots is about the only thing that I don't worry about snipping them. If I got a whole row of carrots that are coming up, you know, some of those uh, seedlings, they, a lot of them are so strong. What I'll do is I will very carefully start to pull those seedlings out and get their root system out. And then I will transplant those. And I've had really good luck doing that uh, to propagate my carrots a little bit faster. Now, you got to kind of be careful with it because you, we all know uh, that, that a carrot will grow some really funky shapes. Now, that doesn't really matter, you know, because we're going to clean them, cut them up, clean them, and freeze them or can them or something like that. You can still get nice, good, long, straight carrots, but the odds are less... Uh, positive for that to happen when you transplant but I've had pretty good luck with that and what I do is I carefully I carefully pull those those uh, carrots starts out as careful as I can I've got the root system exposed there's no soil on them keep the spacing of the ones that I'm that are already in the ground growing and then I use uh, oh I use like a wooden about 12 inch skewer that you get uh, for like 
barbecue and putting shrimp on or kebab or something like that on. And I poke that down into the ground wherever I'm going to be planting. And I, and I uh, run it around kind of in a circle and I, and I make like, it, it's just a, di- a, a dibble, a dibber, you know, uh, a small dibber. And I, I run it and I make a cone down into the soil. And then I very carefully take that carrot seedling and I let that root go down to the bottom of that cone and I use that skewer to kind of push it and straighten it down a little bit and then I carefully put the soil around it. I've had great luck doing that over the years. Not too many people pre-sprout carrots, but I've had pretty good luck with it doing that and, and I'll probably do that again this year once, uh, once my carrots are starting to need a a thinning so so that's a that's a that's an easy way to get more carrots out of that out of that seed packet you know so but yeah be real careful with your thinning uh if you don't do something like that like i said i would recommend you use a a tiny uh tiny set of, of clips uh, little little tiny scissors, sharp scissors, and I guess you know if if you don't want to do that, you could even uh, you know you can pinch them with your fingernails, uh, but just just be careful doing that and don't damage the plants that you uh, that you've already got growing that you want to keep. So that's a, that's one of the the more important things to do, and I also want to bring up we're we're talking about thinning we're talking about getting our gardens going and I know we've talked about this before and I I tend to rehash a few of these things but we might have some listeners and we still might have some folks that don't understand a lot of some of the gardening jargon and I'm going to bring up again uh, NPK the fertilizer nitrogen phosphorus and potassium are the three big ones and when you're looking at, folks, if you, if you didn't know this, when you're looking at a bag of fertilizer, wherever you're getting it, and for instance, if the bag says 10-20-20, what those are, those numbers are, and they're always in the order of NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. What that means is like an 832-16, that means in a... 100 pound bag of fertilizer 8% of the weight of that bag 8 pounds of that bag is nitrogen 8% 32 means that 32 pounds in that 100 pound bag it's 32 pounds of phosphorus and then 16 means there's 16 pounds of potassium in that 100 pound bag so out of everything in that 100-pound bag of that particular group of the 832.16, so what we've got is you've got 56 pounds of the fertilizers. You've got 44 pounds of just filler material. That, that's all it is. It's filler. Uh, and it, it, it's an inert substance, and it's just there as a carrier to mix in uh, for, the, for the other nutrients to be to be in there you know and that's how they can't they can't put uh truly just eight pounds of nitrogen in something it's got to be mixed in something to make that eight percent rate for instance i've got i've got some nitrogen fertilizer it's 4600 
So a 100-pound bag of that, it's 46 pounds of nitrogen only. The other 54 pounds is just a carrier, an inert substance of some kind. And I've read different things about the different, the different substances that they use. I don't know. Uh, I read one time where some, one place they use old corn cobs, and they grind them up almost into a powder, you know, because uh, they're fairly inert. But it's always an inert substance. So, you know, like one of, one of the... Uh, one of the uh, Types that, for instance, Kenai feed cells, it's, a, it's called a, a peony blend, or peony, as you pronounce it in the Ozarks. It's 10-20-20, so that's 10, 10 pounds of, of uh, in a 100-pound bag. You buy a 5-pound bag, 10% 10, 10 of that 5-pound uh, bag, which is half a pound, is, is uh, your nitrogen. You know, so you, you equate that, it's... It's a percentage. Whatever that bag weighs, if it's a 10-pound bag, you got 10, 20, 20, one pound would be of nitrogen if it's 10. Two pounds would be phosphorus, and two pounds would be potassium. That's in a 10-pound bag. So you always take the weight of the bag times whatever number that is, and like I said, that's a, per, that's a percentage number, 8%. So anyway, that's how you tell that uh, with your, with your uh, fertilizers. And one of the key things, too, at this time of year, some of our plants are so small, uh, you've got to be so careful when you do go to fertilizing. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there can be a lot of keys to getting fertilizer right. And one of the things that is so hard for folks to do is not over fertilize you know too much fertilizer can be every bit as damaging to your plants as not enough fertilizer so for instance my corn's been growing in my greenhouse now uh well it's been growing uh it's been in the ground like i said i transplanted it's been in the ground about seven to ten days now and they're doing fine i haven't fertilized them yet have done no fertilizer on them yet. Uh, but coming up probably here in a couple of days or another week, I'll probably do a light sprinkle of a nitrogen fertilizer on them. And uh, it's up to you if you want to use organic stuff or, or chemicals, uh, the chemical fertilizers. It, it's up to you. It just kind of depends on what you believe in doing. If you want to stay organic, you buy some of the organic fertilizers. Uh, I do I do both, you know, uh, and some of the some of the best all-purpose fertilizers you can use out there are, uh, and we get them local is uh, Job's uh, Garden Tone, uh, Doctor Earth. Uh, you know, there's so many different ones. And there again, like I said, it's up to you if you want to use regular chemical fertilizers or organic fertilizers. And some of the organic fertilizers that we use, for instance, for nitrogen, is blood meal. Uh, Kenai Feed sells a fantastic big bag of blood meal. I bought one a couple of years ago. It's lasted me a couple of years. It's uh, it's it's like it's like a red dried powder. Well, that's blood meal, and that's that's high in nitrogen. So that's an organic way to put uh, to put nitrogen on your in your plants. Bone meal is good for phosphorus, potassium. You know, uh, uh, phosphorus especially, and uh, some of the bone meal that. Uh, like I said, we got uh, that we sell is that uh, Kodiak fish meal, the the fish fish bones and stuff. 
So if you want to go, if you want to go uh, organic, that's fine. If you want to go chemicals, that's fine. Like I said, I do both, and uh, it's just it's just a preference. So you do it you do it however you think you want to do. Now, one of the things to to look at too is when I say over fertilizing, especially now we've got our starts going and we're thinning them out. We got those starts is those uh, those uh, plants are still a little bit they're a little bit tender and they need to at least start getting some true leaves on them not their cotyledons uh, that they first sprout with they need some true leaves on them before you start fertilizing and if you're using a liquid fertilizer that's okay and like i said this time of year when we when we do have some uh, you know sensitive starts some of the some of the liquid fertilizers and a lot of gardeners do this you mix your fertilizer up not full strength that they recommend like a x uh, scoops per gallon or per five you know i typically do maybe a 50 percent or a 25 percent solution on that so the plants are getting a little fertilizer but they're not really getting hit hard hammered by the full full strength fertilizer and I don't know, I've, I've done a lot of research on this, and it seems like a lot of gardeners do this because there's no sense in over-fertilizing too much fertilizer and killing your plants. Like I said, we work too hard to do all that. So that's what I do. And uh, so I haven't decided yet on my corn. Like I said, I've got a chemical 4600 fertilizer. I might sprinkle some of that on the corn, uh, around the corn, and, uh, or I might just use some blood meal and maybe mix it into the soil a little bit and let the watering take it down. And that's another tip when you are going to fertilize is if, if you're using a, a dry fertilizer, uh, you know, something that's put on the soil, you typically need to water right after you fertilize because that's what will get those nutrients down to the plant. And I told you before, I'm really careful about it. I don't really mix a lot into my soil. Now, if I'm planting a tomato or a, uh, not a carrot, if I'm planting a tomato or a cucumber or something like that, I'll take just a little handful of blood meal, throw it in the bottom of the hole, a little bit of bone meal, throw it in the hole, mix it in the bottom, and then I plant my plant on top of that. But that's about the only time I actually put nutrients in the soil is right in the hole when I'm planting. The rest of the time through the season, I put everything on top of the soil, and then watering will dilute that down, in the, and it will work down into the soil to feed your plants. Just like at Grandpa's Worms, Michael's Worm Castings. You know, uh, you, put, you can put that on top of the soil, and even that stuff, the nutrients that are in that, they will get washed down into the plant root system. And I do that instead of burying everything in the ground. Because to me, if you do that, and you've got stuff down deep in the ground, and you water, to me, you're washing it away away from the plant, not to the plant. So by keeping it above, you're washing the stuff down to the roots instead of away to the roots. That's my thought on it. And I've, I've done a little reading about that, too. And I've talked to other gardeners. That's what they think. So there again, that's one of those things you can do a little research on and, and decide uh, what's best for you from that one. So we're talking a little bit about fertilizing and being careful with our seedlings. We're thinning our seedlings. And one of the things, too, if uh, I want to let you know when we're talking fertilizing, 
if you've got, uh, you know, we've all grown things sometimes, be it a tomato, uh, items that need to flower, uh, your cucumber, everything that needs to flower and get fertilized or, or uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, uh, the the bee pollinated and some plants we know are parth uh, are, are self fertilizing. I, I couldn't get the word out parthenocarpic or I forget uh, by bees or are, are self pollinating like like tomatoes. But if you've got a plant that is not getting flowers on it like it should be, one of the fertilizers, one of the things you can think about doing is getting a higher phosphorus fertilizer. You know, for instance, a a 10 20 10 10 percent nitrogen 20 percent phosphorus and 10 percent uh potassium uh, or even higher you know you can go with a 15 30 15 now there's uh one uh oh i, I just lost the uh, i just lost the i can't think of the brand name in my head but it's it's for for flowering plants it's got a potassium uh level it's like it's like three fifty eight six something like that you know so those uh like i said uh those will get your there those are for root development and flowering so if you're having trouble with some of those items not flowering then you might think about using a higher potassium higher potassium higher uh phosphorus rather higher potassium type of fertilizer for instance for the peonies like i said i got from sarah at kenai feed it's a 10 20 20 it's good for rooting and it's good for flower development got a little bit of uh got a little bit of nitrogen in there but obviously we want more phosphorus and potassium for root and flower development so that's something for you to think about too okay well uh, hopefully everybody in their gardens, things are going well for you. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm being ultra conservative this year and tomorrow's the day I'm getting, hoping to get everything out, everything done, everything in to the garden outside. I've got all my starts, uh, like I said, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbages. I'm just being conservative. Uh, I what I like to do too is one of the things as I mentioned on a previous show uh, we really planted a lot of sunflower and uh, marigold starts this year and we are going to lace our garden with uh, interplant with with all our vegetables as a hopefully as a deterrent for pests and uh, I, as I told you before Something I and I said I've never tried this before, and I'm doing a little research. I'm going to plant some of the shorter sunflowers in with my tomatoes in my greenhouse in different places, uh, be it in the beds themselves or in a container, and they are supposedly uh, supposed to help reduce uh, aphids in the greenhouse. So. I'm going to give that a try. You know, if I have to, you know, we might might try a little neem oil later on or or get some uh, get some ladybugs, you know, uh, that a lot of gardeners do. And I've heard that is really successful. I've never tried ladybugs, uh, but I, if if I have bad aphids this year, that's what I'll give a try. So anyway, yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm going to work this year is the the uh, the plants that supposedly try to help 
deter pests from getting in your garden. I'm going to ring some of my raised beds with marigolds. Uh, uh, oh, uh, sunflowers in, uh, in particular places, and and we'll just see how that works. You know, so uh, that's uh, that's one of those things uh, that it's always uh, it's always worth it's always worth trying. You know, and uh, I uh, I don't know. It's just it's just more. To me, it's more than worth, more than worth that effort to give that a shot to see if that will in fact work. Because uh, any anything you can do to have to keep from, from uh, picking them off or fighting those things, that might be a really easy way to get rid of those things uh, by letting Mother Nature take care of herself. So, but we are going into this year, folks, a little chilly, as you're well aware. We've got, uh, we've got some cool climates. And like I said, last year we were 25 degrees warmer this time of year. And we've, we've all been there. You know, every gardener, plant enthusiast, uh, you know, people, people want to want to plant a garden and, uh, and get outside and grow some of their own food. And, you know, I, I know a lot of very successful gardeners in the area that uh, you can learn from if you've got a if you've got friends that garden, but there's always a few folks that still need help. When I look at the gardening sites, for instance, on social media, some of the you can tell there's so many people that offer advice. Uh, there's so many experienced gardeners, but there's always a few folks out there that gardening is new and they 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 need help with their gardening for instance i told you uh, heritage house needs some help with these folks now maybe some of their residents might be very well experienced gardeners but they just physically can't do it anymore so hopefully some of you folks will uh, take uh, take that uh, that comment i made earlier and i'm going to go ahead and give you odds Phone at Odd uh, Wallacek, her numbers again, 907-714-5039, or her cell at 907-690-2181. If anyone wants to volunteer and help the folks at, at uh, Heritage House to garden. But anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and give uh, the folks that, that don't know some of these things some general gardening tips. And like I said, a lot of this is repetitive, especially to you folks that are well experienced with gardening. But some of the best gardening tips you can get to a new gardener is to start small. You know, if you're starting a, a first garden, it's the temptation to overdo it is so strong. Doing a giant garden. And if you've never done this before, you're going to find out how difficult that can be. Now, up here in Alaska, it's not so bad. But boy, back in the Midwest, I mean, it's already 90 degrees back there. And a lot of gardeners back there, if you don't have the, and I know you folks have experienced this, if you don't have the heavy equipment, well, not heavy equipment, but, but the equipment like a, like a smaller tiller to go up and down your rows and your hand weeding and all that stuff, I'll tell you what, you see a lot of gardens back there early in the year. The gardens are beautiful. They're doing, and then by the time it starts getting later in the year and it's getting up to 90 to 100 degrees, Next thing you know, gardens are full of weeds because it's just miserable to try to work on them. So anyway, that's what I mean by don't start, don't overdo it to start your garden. 
it, it's the literally the number one cause of a new gardener's failure uh, because you've got to be comfortable with the amount of work that you're taking on. Now, if you're retired, but you know, especially for folks that are still working, they got kids to take care of and uh, they think they can get it all done and uh, you just can't and then you're gone. So, so do what you feel like you can handle. If all you want to start is a, like a four by four little raised bed garden, you'll be surprised at how much food you can get out of a four by four garden. If you've got a balcony, you live in an apartment. Do a few things in containers. You know, I mean, uh, one, of, one of the things I tried many years ago that, that really worked and I'd never done it, and, and I'd read about it, is, you know, taking, a, taking that uh, 10, 15, or 20-pound bag of potting soil, laying it down on a balcony, and cutting a slit in it in the middle, and inserting a plant in there, and I did a tomato. Well, it worked, it worked great, you know, and... Uh, it just grows right in that bag of potting soil. You know, it works great. So yeah, you don't you don't have to you don't have to have a, a two thousand square foot garden to start out a, a four by four, a four by eight, and then you need to look at uh, you need to look at the seeds of what you want to grow. And I've said this many times, folks: plant what you like. If you hate Brussels sprouts, do not grow Brussels sprouts. You know. And uh, that's the big thing. If you hate cabbage, don't grow cabbage, for gosh sakes. You know, but uh, look at what grows well up here. And uh, one of the other things I want to let you know uh, that for you new gardeners, and I bring it up all the time, is if you go to the, the website, it's called Best Cool Seeds. There is a, a book out there developed by Reg Apple, and I think Reg has passed away a number of years back. He was a horticulturalist up, up in the Fairbanks area at the university. He wrote a book many years ago uh, uh, that's called Gardening from Seed in Arctic and Subarctic Areas. And this will tell you, this little book will tell you what is grows well up here. So go to bestcoolseeds.com. His little books, uh, the little book they still sell, it's about $10. I've got a copy. I use it as a reference all the time. And it's got, uh, for instance, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now, I'm on a page in that book, uh, and it, it's got a, a heading that's called Seed Planting Depth in Cold Soils. You know, so that's the kind of stuff this thing will help you with as a new gardener, and especially if we're an experienced gardener even this year. Uh, it's taken the soil a long time to warm up this year. So the thing you need to worry about, uh, think about with that, though, is, you know, when the seed's planted shallow, that's the warmest part of the soil. It speeds up germination, but it's got a drawback. And that is that seed can dry out quicker than if you plant it a little deeper in this area. So you got to be sure the soil over the newly uh, the planted seed is well compacted to help retain moisture. And you got to keep the seed moist as it must not be allowed to dry out during germination or the young sprouting seedlings will be killed. Well, that's, I read that directly out of this book. So it's, it has got great information in it that will help a new gardener or an experienced gardener on things to think about with when you're planting, when you're a new person, a uh, new gardener uh, planting in, in a cold climate like we are. And then uh, you also have to understand your, what grows in your zone. Now we are, as you folks know, we are typically zone. Four, we're 4A or 4B, and 
you, there's a lot of places where you can get a planning schedule, you know, uh, of what grows best when, you know. So uh, look at, uh, you know, one of the best places to look at that, too, is uh, Frosty Garden. You know, FrostyGarden.com, uh, uh, Jeff Whiteside, and uh, oh, I think her name's uh, Kada, uh, they, uh, they grow in Fairbanks. And uh, Jeff, Jeff and them, they were, they were down here, here. Uh, yeah, Katie, uh, they were down here and did a presentation to the Garden Club at one of our monthly meetings. And I'll tell you what, he, he uh, let us all know so many things that, oh my gosh, he, he did wonderful helping everybody out and Oh gosh, it was it was great. He did such a fantastic, such a fantastic job, giving us tips on on uh, what what to do in an Arctic climate. So yeah, check check out like I said, check out frostygarden.com and look at their stuff. And you can go through some of these general gardening tips and look at all that. And one of the biggest things with I think we as new as gardeners getting into this year that we all you couldn't fall for and i think some people did is what what jeff says is don't fall for fool's spring you know uh it's like i said i usually have got everything in my garden by about may 15th that stuff's not going out until tomorrow uh there were people that from the the posts on some of the social media sites for gardening that had everything going in their high tunnels and greenhouses unheated and it got down pretty cold in fact water froze in their greenhouses so uh, some folks their plants were okay some of them they lost some plants so that's what i mean is uh, i think we'd be safe now uh, to plant outside but boy you never know if you remember a couple years ago was the last time we had a frost in july in certain parts of the of our growing area you know, so that's uh, something to be careful about. So don't fall for fool's spring. And uh, I didn't this year. And uh, I, I tell you, it's, it's, it's a little frustrating. But there's still plenty of time for uh, broccoli and cauliflower. and There's still plenty of time for those items to grow. Sometimes if you get them in early, you, you have the, you've got time for a second crop, you know. And uh, that's what's nice about getting things out really early. And then you can always plant, everybody knows for you new gardeners, plant some of the stuff that's easy to. Radishes, uh, you know, some of these easy things, a little bit of uh, some lettuce. Oh my gosh, it's, it's so easy to grow those. And it's neat to go out into your garden or your, your container or whatever and cut some of your own lettuce and radishes and uh, have a salad that you grew everything yourself. But there again for you new new gardeners and uh, folks haven't done this very much we've said it before read your seed packets follow the directions of the seed packet the only caveat i'll give you to that is if it says to plant something two inches deep with our soil temperatures this year you might want to try a little bit shallower to, because that top part of the soil is going to be a little bit warmer but boy you got to really be sure you don't let those dry out Grow different varieties. And one of the biggest things is don't, and I'm, I'm guilty of this and I've tried to get away from it, is that is growing only vegetables. 
Uh, flowers are fantastic to grow to. And there again, flowers attract pollinators, flies and bees. Uh, it's, it's absolutely great. As we said before, some of the plants you grow, they deter pests and, and they brighten, they brighten up the garden. Uh, last year I did, I bought, oh my God, it said, well, planting them, it seemed like that I had a jillion of them. If jillion's a number, but I planted, I bought a bunch and I just bought these from the big box store. I bought a bunch of jonquil daffodil bulbs. And I planted them. Well, I'll tell you what, they came up en masse this year and they look fantastic in front of our house. I mean, and I think I'm going to even plant more in this year where I literally am going to have, I mean, a carpet of daffodil bulbs. I've kind of, I've, uh, I've uh, told you before, I don't know how many more tulips I'll, I'll plant. Uh, but I've been kind of lucky. The tulips, as I said before, you, the, the moose really like the tulips, uh, but they, uh, uh, the daffodils, they don't like those. They don't like the alliums, and you plant them together. But I've gotten to where I really like uh, daffodils, paper whites, those, and they're just so pretty, and they're so bright. So I'm going to plant even more of those this, this fall uh, for next year to make it even even a thicker thicker planting. <coughs> excuse me a thicker planting than uh that and then hopefully next spring it'll be even will be even more more of a uh of a carpet of of nice daffodils and i do want to let you folks know i did get my potatoes planted they are all in containers i planted five varieties two indeterminate varieties and three determinants i planted i love green mountains and i planted uh Oh gosh, I planted one, two, three, four. I planted six big containers of those. I planted some King Edward, and I planted uh, four containers of those. And then the determinants I planted were uh, uh, some Red Norland Mainstay and one called uh, Robinta R O B I N T A. And I got all these uh, from Sarah Kenai Feed. And uh, I've never, I've never grown, I've never grown the Mainstay or the rebenta before uh like i said i like to every year i like to grow my my favorites like i said love love green mountain uh and king edward but i always like to grow something a little different to see uh, how they are and just do an experiment to see uh, uh see if they taste good and all that stuff so so that's what i've got but i've got uh let's see i've got 16 big tote containers of potatoes and as I've told you before, your indeterminates, they kind of grow up the stalk a little bit, but the determinants grow on one level. So those big totes, I put about four inches of soil, uh, my soil mix in the bottom of the container, and then I put in a little, uh, uh, a little bone meal, a little uh, blood meal, not very much, but some bone meal, and then just a little, uh, just like a light handful of like a 3-4-4 vegetable uh, fertilizer. And I mix that up real well, and I put my seed potatoes on that top of that 4-inch layer. Then I put in another about 6 to 8 inches above those potatoes, and then I put another layer of seed potatoes and put about another five to six inches on top of them. So the determinate potatoes, they grow on one level. You don't have to hill them. 
at all. People do a lot of extra work with potatoes when they don't have to. And so I, I, that's how I do it. And I will get a lot of potatoes out of one container uh, because I planted them on layers. Now, like I said, my indeterminates, I didn't plant them in layers. But you probably could, depending on how deep uh, your container is. Uh, but I just did them on one layer. Same way, four or five inches of soil in the bottom. My little bit of fertilizer mix, like I told you, my little soil preparation. And then uh, I put about a foot of soil on top of them. And that's all I'll do. I won't do anything else. They'll break through the surface in a little while. And then I'll probably put a little, uh, I've got some straw. I'll put some straw and cover. You can put leaves or you can put grass from cutting the grass. The main thing is, is sometimes a potato will break the surface of the soil and you don't want that to happen because that's what turns you, when the sun hits them, that's what turns the potato green, uh, produces solanine in there. Uh, they're no good. But a lot of times by the time that happens, the plants are so bushy, they're protecting it from the, they're protected from the sun anyway. So anyway, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, but, but I'll put a little straw in there. And then another thing that I'm going to try and let you folks know about, coming up, I'm doing an experiment in my greenhouse. I've got them sprouted is peanuts. I did a little research on planting peanuts in containers, and, you know, I'm not 100% sure that that's going to work, but I'm going to give it a try. You know, I mean, what the heck? You know, it, it would be it would be cool. Uh, you know, I know I'm not going to get 20 pounds of peanuts or anything, but I've got some peanut sprouts going, and I'm going to see if uh, if I can uh, successfully grow some peanuts. And it may or may not work, but what the heck? That's what the, a lot of the fun of gardening is, uh, is experimenting and having some fun doing that. So I'll let you know how that goes uh, as we come up into the future. You know, so, oh my gosh, boy. This hour went by fast, folks. Uh, Y'all know when uh, Octopus's Garden comes on, that means we've got about about two minutes left of the show, uh, the last two minutes. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, We are getting into the the magic time of gardening. Things are growing. Things have turned green. Uh, Get that stuff out there. Don't worry about Remember, don't worry about failure because uh, without failure, there's no success. So it's okay if things don't work out exactly right the first time you're starting to, uh, that you're starting your, uh, your garden. It's okay. Don't worry about it. So follow a few tips. Talk to your friends. Uh, uh, talk to Sharon out at uh, Funny River if you like to garden. Talk to Marsha locally on the, uh, uh, the social medias. Go talk to Bobby Jackson out at Jackson Gardens. We've got so many wonderful gardeners here. And all gardeners, they want to help each other. Uh, They want you to be successful. So do that. And remember, uh, plant the things out of your garden proper that the moose don't like, like potatoes and alliums, garlic. Uh, They don't like those things. So you don't have to use up high-dollar garden space uh, within your fence that you can use for something else that the moose do like so be careful out there too because the bears are out we had a black bear running through our neighborhood and uh i was walking i was being pretty careful going out to my greenhouse this morning so anyway i hope you enjoyed today's show i had a lot of fun doing it and uh this is listener supported public radio for the central kenai peninsula kdll 91.9 fm kenai soldatna don't forget about heritage house and helping those folks out 
and we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening.